Welcome to this edition of ACN Conversations, a media resource of the Association of Christian Nonprofits. I'm Doug Leslie. Thank you for joining us today. This is Doug Leslie with the Association of Christian Nonprofits, and we're joined with Step Up to Life International founder, Pastor Elmer Murdoch, and their executive director, Pastor Lincoln Murdoch from the big Omaha, Nebraska. Guys, welcome to the conversation today. Thank you very much. Thanks, Doug. Uh, I always like to start, Pastor and Lincoln, with allowing you to kind of give yourself an introduction to those who are listening on air. So beginning with you, Pastor Murdoch, uh, please give us kind of a broad stroke biography uh, for those who don't know who you are, just a brief introduction of who you are and sort of what your history has been. Uh, yeah, well, I, I was raised uh, in the parsonage. My dad was a pastor. My granddad was a pastor. My great aunt was a missionary, and I didn't care about any of it. I was respectful but uncaring. Converted at age 19, called to the ministry two weeks later. Uh, went to college and seminary at Gordon College and Seminary in Massachusetts, in Boston, and then went to the pastorate for the next, uh, well, 50 years, whatever it's been, maybe more than that now. <laughs> <laughs> with that many with that many years pass, you lose track. It's okay. Yeah, I do. Okay. Good. And when and you you retired from the pastorate in what year? I never retired. Well, in terms of I'm talking the church, the church, oh, pastor, local church. Oh my goodness! What eighteen years ago? So you pastored for I think I, I think I read forty two years in the church. Stepped up out of the pulpit, but then you launched immediately into Step Up to Life. So you really never stopped going. Is that accurate? Correct. Yeah. Okay, Lincoln, tell us about yourself. Yeah, well, I got heard about the heritage, so I stepped, well, I guess I didn't step into it. I was born into it, so uh, <laughs> there I was into that. I never, never planned on going into uh, the pastorate. But um, my senior year in college, I finally surrendered my life to the Lord. And uh, just a couple of weeks later, found myself at Asbury Seminary in Wilmore, Kentucky. Uh, so went through three years of school there, then went on staff at Dad's church, which was called Trinity Church and here in Omaha. And I was uh, eight years youth pastor, 10 years missions pastor. And then we moved to Phoenix, Arizona. Doug, you're stomping grounds there. Yeah. And... Um, we were on staff with Antioch Network, which was a network of local churches, uh, all wanting to reach unreached people groups in the world. Uh, during those eight years there in Phoenix, we planted a church, uh, All Nations Church Phoenix, got that up and running. And then in 09, moved back to Omaha and planted another church, All Nations Church Omaha. And then two and a half years ago, uh, stepped away from the pastorate and stepped into my full-time role here at Step Up to Life. Link, for those who are unaware of uh, Step Up to Life, uh, can you kind of tell us, as an organization, who Step Up to Life is and what are the primary points of vision that you carry out in terms of, in terms of you know, who are you and what makes you unique? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, I don't know how far back to go on this, but uh, a number of years back, like like in the 50s, late 50s, my dad preached a sermon, uh, Steps to Knowing God or something something like that. In fact, I'm looking at it. I'm looking at an original version of it right here on the wall. Nice. Usually that steps, steps leading to salvation. Steps leading to salvation. Little did he know that when he preached that, and, and then you grasped off that copy, 
uh, copies of those and gave it out to his church that that would be the first distribution. Here we fast forward 50 years, 60 years, and um, the, the truths contained in that message have been put into a little booklet, uh, which has literally gone around the world. Um, so we have a number of resources here that we want to uh, equip the body of Christ with. That little booklet is our primary resource. Um, in it, uh, we, we find five biblical steps, starting with being unconcerned towards spiritual things and ending with solid saving faith in Christ. Um, these steps are laid out, they're biblical, and uh, people can find out where they are. Uh, in their spiritual journey. So that's our primary resource, but we really are a resource and training uh, ministry. Uh, we've leaned heavily in the, into the training component the last few years, and we literally travel the world uh, training pastors, uh, chaplains, missionaries, and just all churches, you name it. Um, we've got a lot of open doors to uh, take our resources in and train the people how to use these resources. Um, the content probably is sadly unique in that what we do is we try, to, we try to simply say, this is what Jesus said it means to follow him. Or what did Jesus say it means to follow him? Because so often, and we don't try to be critical, we, we just observe. It seems like a lot of what's out there today, uh, when, when people are invited to follow Christ, they, people don't say what Jesus said. Um, right. it's, it's a simple little head faith trip. And when you look at the uh, demands that Jesus laid in front of people who were considering following him, they were severe uh, and very serious. And it seems like we somehow whittled all of that down to, you know, just something that's not even biblical anymore. And that concerns us greatly. Again, we're not trying to be critical. We're just being observant. Right. So we have to get back to say, what did Jesus say? So I'm going on too long with this question. But... Um, so we, we are, create resources, we provide training in how to use those resources, uh, and the primary tool uh, is this booklet called Step Up to Life. Excellent. By the way, just, just to mention, it's been translated now into over 55 languages. Uh, we have nine or ten specialty versions. I'll talk about that in a minute if you want to. And since the year 2000, uh, over 10 million have been distributed worldwide. Oh my goodness! I'm sorry. I need to yeah. absorb that. Since <laughs> 2,000, 10 million have been distributed. 10 yeah, million. Yeah. No. yeah, we haven't gone. We haven't gone past back going back past 2,000. So oh, it's been well over 10 million, um, maybe 15 million. But um, and you know we're we're a small office here in Elkhorn, Nebraska. We're we're as blown wow. away by anybody, and it just shows that God wants this. Uh, all around the world, so we're thrilled. Yeah, that's fantastic. I didn't realize it had been that that many booklets. Yeah, but we'll we'll, we'll get into uh, sort of the impact those those specialty booklets um, in a few minutes. I want to back up yeah. a few minutes if I can, Pastor, um, because this really rooted Pastor Murdoch in kind of in your message in 1954. Um, you mentioned you got you gave your life to the Lord at 19. Is that right? That's correct. How long after you gave your life to the Lord did you know that you were, quote, unquote, destined uh, for the pastorate? How did that look like? How did that development time look like? 
Well, I never, I never th- uh, thought of where I might end or go. I just thought, uh, uh, I used to say to my mother, hey, mom, people ask me what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. She would just tell me you're going to follow the Lord and see what happens. So I said, look, I'm just going to follow the Lord. I got through college and seminary, was invited full-time to be youth sponsor director for a youth organization ministry, which I did for about two and a half to three years. Then knew I wanted to get out of that, so I went to the pastorate, and that was the beginning. <laughs> just like that. Did you... Did you take a a senior role right out of seminary, or did you kind of no, work your I, way right through? No, right out of seminary, I was a full-time assistant youth director for a interdenominational youth ministry called uh, Christian Youth Incorporated in New England, and headquartered out of Boston, and enjoyed it thoroughly. Uh, I thought I'd be in this forever, because I did it all through college and seminary, and then for about three years full-time after that, until I realized God's going to move me on to pastoring, which I did. And what what time in this timeline did you meet your beautiful bride? I met her in college, and I was a senior in seminary. She was a senior in college, so it was perfect timing. We got married upon graduation of us both. And so she's been with you the, the whole stretch. She saw she's Since 1952, all from the ground up, 1952. <laughs> now, I, I want to touch on, on your bride. Uh, let's face it. Uh, your beautiful wife Nancy is no slouch. She has discipleship no. genes of her own, um, yeah. with, a, with a couple of books on those in that area. Has your both your ministry, both yours and Nancy's ministry, always had this bent toward a deep discipleship, or did that come through the development of just life experience and other mentors in your life? No, we did not always have it. Number one, number two, it was a mutual impact on us both by a man with a kind of funny name. His name was Paris, like the city in France. Paris Reedhead, who was a former missionary to Africa, was, became disillusioned with an easy believism gospel, almost left the ministry, came back home, uh, reevaluated this gospel and his own life and ministry, and made some uh, giant adjustments and uh, up, updated the gospel to include all the hard stuff, like repentance and Lordship, and that turned him around. Well, when I ran into him, he was uh, gently loving me preaching that, and I thought he was out of a zoo. And so he's got, yeah, I, I, this guy's got to go, or I got to go, because he is ruining my ministry. And so, yeah, he did. I said, what he says is true, I'm out to lunch. And if I'm out to lunch, then one of us has got to go. So that started me on a reevaluation of the gospel as I knew it and preached it, and that was the beginning of my epiphany. What what year was that, Pastor? That would be 1954-ish. Okay, so you know you you ran into him early in your ministry. Then this wasn't sort of a you were you weren't in ministry for ten or fifteen twenty years before you ran into Paris. You you knew him early. No, I, I ran into him uh, when I was in my first church and in my maybe second or third year there. Second year. Did he was he um, 
was he invited to your church? I mean, how did you find out? No, he was at my wife's church. My wife's church, we were pastoring our first church, and it was 25 miles away from her home church. So we would go home uh, every day off to be with the in-laws and have fun. And so they, uh, one day Nancy came back from uh, taking a piano lesson in another town just over, and she said, hey, there's a speaker up there. And I said, well, I'll just drop in here. And she said, and she dropped in to hear me, and in five minutes she was transfixed, and she was... <laughs> torn between coming to get me and losing what he was saying. She finally tore herself out of the pew, rushed down to me, told me I must come and hear this guy. I said, I've heard enough guys. This is my day off. I don't need him. <laughs> said, yes, you do. So she and uh, female uh, power persuaded me to get off my back end and let's go, which I did. I went in. I sat down. In five minutes, you couldn't have pried me out of there with a crowbar. Wow. Was his influence also what kind of because you've been very missional in your ministry. Yeah. And so was that influence the same way? Was Paris kind of the the um, cornerstone of that influence? Well, I frankly, I don't know if I'd even be, I would have been even in the ministry if I hadn't run into him. He was a life changer for me. Uh, he didn't set himself up to be that. He never tried to uh, look down on me or that. He just, just lived. And I, I, was, and I said, I don't want that guy's God. But whatever he's got, that's what I want. And what the it was, was the work of the Holy Spirit in his life, which was in fullness uh, strange to me. Right. And in fact, I had fears about it. But uh, his attraction, his, his Christ-likeness, I uh, just... Uh, I could I couldn't gainsay it. I knew he had an influence on your life and huge, um, but I didn't realize it was that early. I guess I didn't realize it was yeah, such it a was, foundation. It was in my first church, first church. Wow, uh, Doug. For those who might be listening too, uh, if they want to go to YouTube, they can pull up some of Paris Reedhead's messages or sermons dot com, and yeah. uh, and listen to them himself. Themselves, I mean, yeah. That's great. Yeah, I, thing, yeah why, excuse me interrupting you, uh, uh, dear friend. If there's only one sermon you, there's only one sermon I recommend to people, and that's Ten Shackles and a Shirt by Paris Reedhead. It might well be arguably the most listened to sermon in America, and I don't say that facetiously. Uh, it's been all over the world, and when you hear it, you'll know why. And when you hear it, you'll know why it had such an impact on your ministry. Exactly. I and thousands of others. Right. Absolutely. Matter of fact. He preached it uh, once in his life. No kidding. That's all he preached this once. He would not preach it. it. Tell us about, um, you follow the family business, as you mentioned, right into the pastorate. Um, Tell us kind of. What was your journey like? I mean, you grew up in a pastor's house. You grew up with these kind of conversations around the dinner table. I assume Paris Reedhead was at your dinner table once or twice. <laughs> yes. Uh, and so you grew up around it, listening to his heart, listening to what's happening and how it's inf- watching and how it influenced your, your parents. What took you so long? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good question. I'm stubborn. Um, no, that's. Uh, probably one of the greatest uh, gifts of God to me in my life, and I'm, I'm dead serious, perhaps the greatest gift, I, there's, a, there's several, but one of the greatest, if not the greatest, is uh, my godly heritage and being raised in a really solid uh, Christian home um, where there was a real fear of God, uh, an appropriate biblical fear of God, but also a whole lot of fun. Uh, we had a lot of fun growing up as a family, and uh, family night was always Monday night. 
it was dad's day off and we right. do fun stuff. And so very, very solid commitment to family and uh, as well as this very powerful spiritual component. We go on long drives on vacation as a family in the old, you know, station wagon. And uh, mom and dad would be sitting up front listening to, you know, teaching cassettes from somebody and then discussing theology for the next hour. So uh, that was kind of the environment that I was raised in. Um, and then with the strong, uh, dad was in the Christian Missionary Alliance denomination with a strong emphasis on missions, of course, we had our annual missions conference mm. and we'd have missionaries stay in our home. And, uh, that was back in the day when you sit and you don't say a word unless you're spoken to <laughs> as a little kid, <laughs> but I was listening carefully to those missionaries, you know, and I would, I would always judge them on who had the best snake story. So, <laughs> That's right. But the poor urban missionaries that worked in the city, in my mind, they weren't. They didn't really count as missionaries because they didn't have any snake stories. But. They were wimpy. They were wimpy missionaries. <laughs> they were wimpy missionaries. <laughs> so, yeah, that was the environment I was raised in. However, I was never um, – mom and dad, neither one of them ever uh, encouraged me to go into the ministry. They just encouraged me to do whatever God told me to do. And up until I was 22, I really wasn't listening to God. So yeah. I was just doing my own thing. And then uh, it was strange because the summer, the summer before I actually gave my life to the Lord, early that same summer, I should say, um, I, I went ahead and enrolled in Asbury Seminary. I wasn't even walking with the Lord. And I guess I figured it would kind of come to a showdown because you can't really study to be in the ministry if you're not really walking yeah. with the Lord. Okay, I'm sorry. I, don't, in I don't mean to interrupt. So yeah. I want to make sure I understand because I've yeah. known you since I was 17, Link. And for those, <laughs> you know, full disclosure, uh, Lincoln Murdoch was my first youth pastor um, and I got saved under his ministry. So uh, that's, we giggled because it seemed like a long time ago, man. Yeah, it was. A, lot, a, few, a few gray hairs ago. Yeah. Uh, but you, you were planning on going into the seminary, and you hadn't, you hadn't even surrendered your life yet. Yeah, that's, that's okay. right. It's kind of strange, and I don't know what just God's sovereign direction and guiding me, but so uh, there was just kind of this even uh, kind of just uh, innate sense that that was what I was supposed to do, even though I was doing my own thing still. So uh, I just, I, I went ahead and enrolled and, and sure enough, I think it was two weeks before seminary started, uh, early August of 79. It was a Sunday evening service and I remember who preached, but I couldn't tell you what he preached on. And I felt a conviction of the Holy Spirit in my life like I had not felt in years. And it was kind of like, tonight's the night link you better you better move while the wind's blowing you know so i gave my life to the lord that night and i've known the reality of christ every day since so but yeah i was 22 so it did take me a while my sister on the other hand she's nine <laughs> very sensitive very obedient wants to please everybody she gives her life to the lord at nine and walks with the lord every day since and she's 62 and it took me till i was 22. well you know <laughs> There's no, there's no judgment here, Lincoln. There's no judgment. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> You've been listening to the ACN Conversations, a ministry of the Association of Christian Nonprofits. To hear the full conversation or more clips, visit our website at www.christiannonprofits.org and click on resources. Until next time, I'm Doug Leslie.